Hi, my name is Jordan Levy, and I am the Chief External Relations Officer at Ubuntu Education Fund. Welcome to Failures from the Field. This is a podcast series that seeks to uncover the truth behind development success stories. I interview innovative leaders in philanthropy and community development, and we dig deep into some of the nonprofit sector's toughest problems. Abby Fallick is the founder and CEO of Global Citizen Year. She is a dynamic leader who enables young people to gain firsthand experience in the field. Even though she has experienced a great deal of success, she was frank and open about where she had made her most important mistakes. We discuss how Abby learned about the dangers of presuming someone else's reality by walking in their shoes and riding on their bus. She teaches us an important lesson about trusting the bird over the book. I asked her some practical questions about how to choose your path in the world and how to talk to funders about hard truths. Let's listen. So again, I'm here with uh, Abby Fallick, um, and we're gonna talk a little bit about failures from the field. Uh, as I was describing to you uh, earlier, I'm really interested in, in people like yourself who have been leaders in the social development field for, for a while, who have had a lot of experience on a variety of different projects. And I think in this field, we are all under pressure to show the success story, to show the impact. Uh, and, and very often when we have a short period of time, we'll get right to the concise success story or the tagline that sells our organizations the best. Um, but for those of us who are in the sector, we often find ourselves maybe in the evening having a beer with our colleagues and talking about the frustrations. And also talking about the times where, where things didn't go as well. Um, maybe, maybe they could be called failures or just challenges. Uh, but, and what we learn from it. Um, so I guess first, to, to set the tone a little bit, maybe you could just tell me kind of what you see as your current mission. Um, I know you're leading Global Citizen Year at the moment. You can just tell me briefly about that, that mission so I, I know where, where we're going for, and then we'll talk about maybe how you got there. Great, thank you. Sure. Uh, well, this is a, a timely, well, always timely topic, um, and one where I have plenty of experience, so I'm excited to share, share my experience. Um, so Global Citizen Year is on a mission to make it normal for kids from all backgrounds to have the opportunity to take a Global Citizen Year between high school and college. And it's a year spent living and working in other parts of the world, both to learn about the world and to learn about themselves, and so that they can sort of understand the intersection of those two things as they move into college and, and over time into their careers. And one of the reasons I'm most intrigued by this topic um, is, in a sense, I think we're in the business of breeding a new generation of social impact leader by giving young people firsthand experience of poverty and development and having them stay in communities longer than is typical. So our fellows spend a full school year living with a family, working on a local project in Africa, Latin America, and Asia, where invariably they come out the other side much more skeptical about what works and what's worth doing. We talk about you know what of what you have seen or done passes the walkaway test once you leave. And we talk about helping you know, young people discern the difference between real good and feel good in creating social change. I love that. And so I think it's very resonant with this idea of being free to speak to failures is understanding how do we look with really clear eyes at what problem we're trying to solve and then be able to present the evidence that suggests we're actually on track to do what we say we're trying to do. Absolutely. So I, I love your phrase, real good versus feel good. 
uh, in my experience and many, much of the experience of people I've spoken to, real good uh, is hard mm -hmm. and is also often the opposite of feel good when you're going through the process. <laughs> um, speaking specifically to your current project, um, when young people come out with that experience, how do you uh, see their journey going forward? How do you work with them to continue along the pathway towards real good, even after they've discerned that maybe it's not as feel good as they thought? Yeah, um, so I think we're very focused on making sure that our fellows, as we call them, come back and, and start college with a, both a, a realistic view of how hard this work can be, but an optimism and an idealism um, that comes from understanding that there are bright spots, that you know people are coming out of poverty and that there are things that, that do work and things that they can throw themselves behind. Um, so we continue to keep them connected to us as Global Citizen Year, providing them with opportunities to keep traveling, to do fellowships, to stay connected with each other. Um, they often arrive you know, as freshmen on college campuses with a very different view toward all of the other freshmen who feel like you know the cool thing to do is to start the new nonprofit. Um, and again, our kids come in as the skeptics, and we, we call it freshman year jujitsu, which is really about how do you take the energy of the kid in your dorm who's selling donuts for Africa, and recognize that they're probably really well intentioned. They just haven't had the opportunity to live and work in the context that they're now you know, presuming to want to help. Uh, and so how do you work with somebody's good intent and help them see that there might be other ways to think about what they're trying to do? So since you work with young people in the sector, uh, if one of these young people started something well-intentioned yeah. uh, and it didn't work out, yeah. and they came to you for kind of advice, yeah. could you pick out a time in, in your life and career mm -hmm. where you were part of something like that, you wanted to start something or, or be a part of something and it didn't work out, and kind of what you learned from that and, and how you overcame that or what the way you innovated around that. You know, I think, and, and I share this very proactively with all of our fellows, I'm very involved in the, the teaching and training and feedback and coaching because it's a course in how to be a global citizen, how to be human, how to approach your life, and one of the frames is often that a good student learns from any teacher. And I think that that's especially true uh, at the challenging points and, and true in failure. So an example that I, uh, that I often think about with deep humility um, was in the very first year of Global Citizen Year. I'd hired a couple of people. We'd launched a program in Guatemala um, and had a, a program director in Guatemala who I was pushing pretty hard. So I was asking him to go each week to visit all of the fellows that he had placed in a certain region. Um, I was sort of demanding certain reporting, coming back from him and asking him, or just assuming that he could do that reporting from the bus while he was traveling from one site visit to the next. Um, and then I get an email on a Monday morning that says, you know, I'm sorry, but I've resigned and I'll be out by the end of the week. And so this is the person in country who's the parent, the coach, the teacher, the only support for these six kids in our pilot program. And he's gone and I have no other leads for who's going to replace him in Guatemala. And so I get on a plane because I had no choice and played his role for the next few weeks and literally walked in his shoes 
taking the buses, which were buses that you know transported all kinds of goods, not just people, and you know, the chicken buses that were. Um, yeah, uh, uh, not only could you not get a seat, but the idea that I had suggested that he could be doing his work from the bus was crazy. I mean, my camera was stolen the first time I walked in and, and tried to sit down. And, and meanwhile, the kids were super spread out, and there was so much about his reality that I had presumed from a distance, and I couldn't possibly, possibly have understood until I actually went there and experienced it. And it was such a humbling and critical learning for me about any role I've ever hired for since, which is that unless I have walked in the shoes of the person I'm asking to do a certain thing, I need to defer to them on what's appropriate, what's right. Um, and if there is ever any friction or sort of discrepancy between what I'm seeing as I sit in the U.S. and what I'm hearing from the field, I need to defer to the person who's actually there. There's this Buddhist notion that I love of if there's a difference between the bird and the book in bird watching, trust the bird. <laughs> and I, <coughs> I just find it to be um, such an important reminder of how uh, we can want to be empathetic, uh, but what it means to actually, you know, humble ourselves in that way. Absolutely. So um, <clears throat> we see uh, uh, in our organization um, a lot of young people who are applying for jobs uh, at Ubuntu who are very interested in, in getting into this social sector work. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, as you say, when you take away those presumptions and you disabuse people of maybe that, um, that, that beauty of, of being on the ground, the, the bird or the book, um, you often can, can maybe uh, lose some of that motivation. And being someone, uh, I'm sure, who's familiar with the private sector and familiar with the philanthropy, the philanthropy world, um, I think we can see that there are ways to have impact from a for-profit mm -hmm. point of view mm -hmm. if you decide mm -hmm. to go through that and, and to support your social sector, um, or to get hands-on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and how, if, if let's say your uh, niece or when your daughter grows up, um, they come to you with a, with a situation and they're trying to decide mm. between the social sector and the private sector, with all that you've seen, mm. with the, the difficulties of the really doing good as opposed to feeling good, uh, how would you advise somebody to take on that decision and, and look and try to balance those two worlds? Yeah, well, I, I, and I get this question all the time. So our alums come back, they're finish, beginning to finish college, they come to me for advice about where to begin their careers. And the first thing that I say and, and truly believe is that for-profit and not-for-profit are totally arbitrary distinctions. It defines your tax status, but you can have a for-profit that is also for-purpose, and I hate the term nonprofit because all it says is what you're not. So for me, it's much more about tapping into what drives you, what motivates you, 
what your purpose is, where you believe you can find meaning in your work. And for some people, they'll do that at McKinsey or Goldman Sachs. And they may be finding that meaning through connecting with other people or through making businesses better, or they might be finding that meaning by making a bunch of money and then investing it in causes that they care about. Um, but I think increasingly there is a blurring of the lines between these sectors, and there will be opportunities for young people to act in a way that is for social purpose, independent of the sector or organization they choose to join. Um, um, one final question. Um, you, you are somebody who, who does fundraising, who's out there uh, trying to, to, to keep your organization alive and, and thriving. What is the, the, the biggest thing that, that donors misunderstand mm -hmm. or the biggest gap between what you're trying to explain and the way they want to see you uh, that you have to overcome? Lots of things. I mean, I think what comes to mind first um, is, is about the overhead myth and this notion that we hold not-for-profits to some standards around how much we can spend to hire exceptional talent to invest in R&D and experimentation. And, you know, you imagine any public company being held a certain um, uh, restrictions for how much they're able to spend in, in marketing their products and we wouldn't have the iPhone. I mean it just doesn't make sense and I'm all for uh, you know being scrappy and resourceful, focused on impact, it's important to be lean and, and, and highly efficient but we can often do that to the detriment of the impact we're trying to have when we constrain ourselves and enter what people have called a starvation cycle, where you underinvest in the things that would actually enable you to thrive, and as a result, you're not actually able to scale to the problem, to scale to the size of the problem you're trying to solve. So for me, it's really about encouraging donors to understand that they need to be willing to take risks on things that might fail, and they need to be willing to invest in infrastructure because at the end of the day, great people make great things happen, and unless we're in a position to actually compete for the best talent, we're never going to get out of the gate. Well, you articulate, articulate that very precisely and very well. Do donors get it when you, when you, after you do that? Is there a high percentage of acceptance rate of your explanation or is it uh, still tough going? I think we're getting there. And I think, honestly, anytime we have the opportunity to sit one-on-one -on -one with somebody and talk them through, help them see what they value about their for-profit portfolio investment companies um, and help make that translation, if you've got a smart donor sitting there thinking it through, through, um, then I think we've really got a chance of changing the narrative. Um, and I think it's going to start with some people who get it, who are then vocal about it to their peers and to others. Um, and I certainly think that institutional philanthropy has a long way to go in catching up. But I think we're starting to see the shift. And, and I think it's, you know, it's not a choice anymore. It's not a nice to have. It is apparent that the biggest social problems are barely being impacted by all of these tiny little dispersed not-for-profit efforts. And so we're going to get serious about actually solving for quality education, childhood hunger, you know, global development in a meaningful way. This is not the job of the not-for-profits. This is the job of everybody coming together and thinking in smart new ways about how the sectors work together and, and what's the role that philanthropy can play that's the highest impact. Well, thank you very much. This was a, a, a great discussion. Thank I really you. appreciate your honesty um, and uh, really uh, actually learned a lot.